0: Welcome to The Scope by the Columbia Women's Business Society, where we feature women changing the game in business. I'm your host, Elise Rovner, and I serve as the membership engagement chair for this wonderful organization. Today on the podcast, we have Kala Maxim. Kala Maxim is the founder and chief event composer of Five Senses Tastings, a performance and music-based company that focuses on engaging with the five senses. She's also the co-founder of the company's cocktail branch, Song & Tonic. Her varied professional background includes time as a senior program analyst within the criminal division of the U.S. Department of Justice, as a customer success manager at a VC-funded tech startup, and as a professional opera singer performing on stages across the U.S., Europe, and Latin America. Kala founded Five Senses Tastings in 2012 while working full-time for the VC-funded tech startup. After almost five years, she decided to take the leap into full-time entrepreneurship and in 2016, quitting her job and moving to Los Angeles in the same week. Kala was born and raised in Germany and has spent her time living in the UK, Spain, Chile, and throughout the United States. Hi, Kala. Let's get into it. Could you talk about your journey up until founding Five Senses Tastings?
1: Um, Yes, it's very varied. (laughs) Uh, I was raised in Europe and I moved to the States when I was 14. And uh, when I got to college, I really had no idea what I wanted to do and sort of by accident fell in love with politics. And my first job out of school was working for the criminal division of the Department of Justice. And I loved it. It was amazing. I got to travel to all sorts of amazing places like Venezuela and Barbados and Chile on the US government and your tax dollars Um, and it was great and I got to a point um, about two years in when I was like well am I going to be like an FBI agent or a foreign service officer or am I going to do this crazy thing that I've always done and always pretended I didn't really do which was sing opera so I decided to go sing opera and I got into a grad program and uh, I went and I became an opera singer for a few years and I toured through England and France and Switzerland and sang on stages, you know, around the US and Latin America and stuff. Um, And then the economy tanked and my voice changed and I was like, hmm, I'm not sure about this whole opera thing. And uh, while I was trying to figure it out, I started working at a tech company and I meant to stay a year and stayed four and a half. And it was during that time, like right when I started that I founded Five Senses Um, So I was kind of doing them both at once, but Five Senses, I was like doing it at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and in the elevator shaft and Mm -hmm. stuff like that and working full time in the tech company. Um, So that's kind of up to there in in short.
0: Yes. And then I guess while you were working at that tech company, what inspired you to found Five Senses tastings? The
1: real answer is it sort of happened by accident. Um, But as I reflect on it, I've been able to figure out what how that happened by accident which is that you know as an opera singer you get kind of two responses it's like oh my god you sing without a mic and you sing in all these languages and you have to memorize all this stuff and like and emote and wow like it's just so much that's so cool and then the other response is like i'm sorry but i hate opera don't hate me and i got to thinking about how we have these very strong feelings about things like music and uh, spicy food and chardonnay and Baltimore, Like, we just have very strong feelings about places. And, you know, I grew up in what I call a sensory ecosystem that was northern Europe, Germany, cold, rainy, gray, no pineapple. And someone who grew up here in L.A. had warm, sunny pineapple. And it just made me think about how we are just so comfortable in the things that we're comfortable with and Mm -hmm. how it really does actually, we need to make a conscious effort to break out of that. So taking that into consideration, that was a long way to say that I thought, gosh, I wonder if this way of like tasting wine, you go and you taste a flight of wine, I don't know if you're, if you're a junior, are probably not of age, but, um, a flight of wine is like four or five different glasses of a type of wine, a grape, mm-hmm. a vintage, a winemaker or something. And I thought it was just really like whimsical and cool to do that. And I thought, what if you did that with music and you just tasted like a bit of opera and a bit of folk and a bit of jazz and a bit of tango and a bit of rock, what would that be like? And so... It just like sort of happened while I was talking to my mom, and like then Mm -hmm. I had a company.
0: That's amazing. And I guess, can you tell us a little bit more about Five Senses Tastings? Like, what an experience is like?
1: Um, Yes, I can try. Um, Because it is a full sensory experience. um, Talking about it only gets at the, you know, very cusp of it. Um, But the idea is that you know, all moments in our lives are more joyfully and fully experienced when all of our senses are engaged. Typically when you're at an event or whether you're celebrating something, music is often related to the background or relegated to the background or to non-specificity. It's just, there's a DJ and there's, I love DJs. I got lots of DJ friends. Um, But there's, there's a lack of specificity to it where Typically there's a ton of specificity put on exactly the amount of spice in the food that you're gonna eat and the the cocktail that you're gonna drink and the flower color So as a musician myself, I was like, gosh, I wonder if I could like elevate music to the same level as all the others. And like music is storytelling sound like if you've ever had an ultrasound for any reason on your belly, I just had one for the first time. I was like, is that what we hear when we're in the womb? Really? that's noise, that's sound, that's our sense of sound, that's being, that's there from the first moment of our existence. And so um, in our events, sorry, I'm getting a little off topic here, but I um, no,
0: you're all good.
1: <laughs> um, but our events are really about storytelling with all of the five senses. So we start with your story, whether it's a, a product that you're launching, or a love story, or a team building experience, and we start with your story. And then we compose a music wine cheese and chocolate tasting around it to tell that story Uh, so it's fully customized all of our music is is normally presented live but we have gone virtual of course Um, and you know we work with small businesses around the country so we work as much as we can with businesses that are local to where our clients are and that really represent you know values that maybe the client has shared with us are important to their company or their brand or their family And so it's my job really to connect those dots. Right. And Mm -hmm. yeah, story is a story. But if we can, you know, we all learn differently. We're oral learners, we're visual learners, we're tactile learners. So we're all going to take in different pieces of information and connect with that in a different way. So it's my job to kind of make sure you have all the pathways open so -hmm. that you can really connect with that story that's, that's in front of you.
0: Yeah, that's super cool. And I guess because it's more than like the food and wine industry, it's like performance and I guess like experience based, I guess, could you talk about like any skills that you think are vital to founding a business in general and more specifically in that kind of like niche industry?
1: Um, I would say, yeah, I mean, in the niche industry, you got to get really good at explaining. And you've gotta get really good at not getting annoyed when people are like, yeah, I know what you do. And you're like, that's abs- no, what mm-hmm. you said, not what I do. Um, and you have to get really good at saying like, yep, that's kind of what we do, but it's a little bit more like this. Um, one of the things about having a business that hasn't ever been done before is that no one has a point of reference. So while that's good, right? Because no one can be like, well, I went to one and yours isn't as good or yours is better. Um, there's also no reference point. Like if you go to a massage therapist, most people have had some sort of massage or like a dentist. Like we've all been to those people. We know what that looks like. A musical wine tasting that tells stories Mm -hmm. and has 500 years of music is not done. I made it up. Mm -hmm. So that's great for me. It's a blessing. And it's also a curse because people need a lot of explanation and a lot of time to experience it. And there's a... there's a hesitation. Sometimes I think for people, you know, I don't know what that is. I don't want it. But what I love about LA specifically, I don't know what that is. I think I want it. Um, in terms of general advice for starting a business, um, plan for it if you can, Mm -hmm. I didn't leave my job until I felt like I was ready to like go out on my own. And even then I was totally not ready, but save up a little, like you're going to, not make money probably like for a while and you'll be lonely um like it's very very hard it's very wonderful but it's very hard so plan if you possibly can plan um everyone will tell you to write a business plan I don't have one (laughs) (laughs) I think that there are different ways to to do it if you're looking for funding obviously there's no other option Um, but if you're you know a service based provider like I am or or maybe a coach or whatever um, My probably very unpopular opinion is that it's not necessarily completely necessary.
0: Good to know. I mean, everyone has different ways they like to do things, and everything is valid. So. Yeah. Yes. I guess, what is your favorite part about running your own business? And is there like a certain aspect that you find most rewarding?
1: My favorite part about running my business is also the thing that I, is the challenge, which is that I make all the decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not in a controlly way. It's like, if I decide that I'm not going to work from this day to this day, that's a decision. But then that decision also means I'm not making money during that time or looking for money, right? So um, no one else is there. Um, What was the second part of your question?
0: Or what do you find most rewarding as well?
1: Oh, I find most rewarding, I have to say, when, like, people just have very strong reactions to something that I've hit upon Mm -hmm. um, and share that with me. Because there's something about, you know, about what I do, especially in the virtual world, you can't necessarily tell what's landing with people sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does feel really wonderful when someone says, you know, I had a really like profound experience at one of your events. It made me think of this, or I learned so much about that. Um, I can feel great about something that I did really well and I performed well, but like, that's okay. It matters if somebody has a response to what I do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so that would be the most rewarding part, I guess, I think, um,
0: Yeah yeah that's a great validation
1: but I mean that's the honest truth is you don't know what's hitting home until somebody tells you
0: yeah no that's a great answer I think validation and feedback is always like super helpful and rewarding um so I guess I'm super interested in your opera career could you tell me a little bit more about that and I guess how I know music is a big part of your business but like I guess, more about your opera career and how that's influenced what you're doing with Five Senses Tastings?
1: Yeah. So I was always, I always, I like, when I was born, I had the voice of an opera singer. I didn't try. And I still, to this day, like, that's what I sound like when I open my mouth. I am just a classical singer. That's what I sound like. And I think part of me is really, like, wishes that I were more versatile, that I could belt, that I could be a jazz singer, that I could be a rock singer, that I knew how to growl, like all that stuff. I was mm-hmm. never taught that. And I think that what I try to do in my events is is take that idea and show people like the wide, huge wide variety of what there is out there in music, wine, cheese, and chocolate. Now I can only get to so much in an hour or two, um, but being an opera singer, you know, I grew up in a very classical household, so I didn't even listen to the Beatles till I was like 10 or 12, you know? And then I had to find out that there was all this other music out there in the world. And I'm worldly. Like, we traveled all over, right? Um, so how it influenced my business is that, you know, I was in a business that very few people really, in terms of numbers, give a crap about. Like, people just don't think about opera, especially in this country. In Europe, they do. I'm not here. And so being part of a, it's like very sort of like, you know, people call it exclusive or like niche art form. It makes you really aware of like how much people don't know about this thing that you do. And so you have to be like, they're all over all these niches, people, the wine niche, the, I don't know, everything mm-hmm. has its own little niche. And so trying to make more things completely palatable, including opera, including wine, um, is part of what I do. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say being a performer, I'm very, I'm, I feel very strongly about like supporting the arts and supporting artists and paying them a living wage mm-hmm. and explaining to people like how, like what our life is like. Like everybody knows freelancers and everybody knows artists, but people don't know that you're not employed, that you don't have health insurance, you, you know, all this stuff they don't know about them. So part of when, especially I'm in live events, I really try to kind of infuse a little bit of that as much as I can into what I share. Mm-hmm. It's just like, these are humans, these are artists, like, they have as much education as you do as a doctor. They're worth this. Art is worth something. Culture is worth something. It's worth a lot, in fact. Like, yeah, you know, it's people were cave scratching before they were making, you know, pot roast. That's not true, but like, <laughs> Art just goes back as far as humankind, yeah. basically.
0: No, hundred percent. And I mean, kind of to shift. I was curious if you could talk a little bit about. I guess I know that you graduated from Barnard, and I was wondering. I guess how or like what advice you kind of have for current students at Barnard? Like, what did you like? What did you take from your experience here that you would recommend that other students? I guess like take advantage of. Uh,
1: work in New York live in new york get off campus uh it was a while ago so um you know my advice would be that is is you've got a unique opportunity to live an adult life before you're really an adult go do it um like Mm -hmm. forget about the frat parties like go get a job in new york city and live in new york um try to join things that are off campus choirs sports groups theater troops, whatever, like, get off campus. hmm That would be, like, my, like, number one suggestion. And then the other one is have a minor. Like, do two things. Yeah. Don't just – I mean, unless you literally know exactly what you want to be for the rest of your life and everything that you need to do. Like, if you're, like, I want to be a gastroenterologist, like, that's mm-hmm. all I want to do with my life. But still, you should probably, like, sing in a choir or join a lacrosse team or something. Um do something else besides yes. your major thing would be my other recommendation um and work work really really hard mm-hmm. <laughs> um and make connections i came in as a transfer so i have very very few friends from barnard um so my experience was quite different than anyone who came in as a, as a freshman fresh woman um
0: that yeah is.
1: those are my i think my suggestions yes. and use the career office because it's awesome
0: Yes. No, Beyond Barnard is great. And Barnard has a great, a lot of very cool resources and definitely taking advantage of the city. And because it's super unique that we're, we have a campus and like, we're still in like the middle of New York. It's, Barnard's super cool. And yes, that's great advice. And then I guess, like, do you feel like your experience at Barnard, like, has had any impact on like the work you're doing or like being a founder? And uh, do you, Feel like Barnard has like impacted you in any way?
1: Many ways. Um, I am a huge fan of Barnard. I'm in I'm in love with it as a as an institution. Um, to kind of draw like a straight line would be hard for me, but I would say um, the memory of that many insanely ambitious, incredible, amazing, intelligent women, just like they're all out there doing things that presumably are making this world a better place um and gosh i'm one of them you know and in my own little tiny way maybe i'm doing that and um i've never worked harder than at barnard other than working as a as a business owner mm-hmm. um it challenged me to the end of my abilities and I am grateful for that because I went way farther than I thought I ever could have, you know, mm-hmm. in in my work there. Um, every time I meet a Barnard woman, it's like, oh yeah, of course you are. Of mm-hmm. course you are. You seem like you'd be a Barnard woman. Um, same with Seven Sisters. To be honest, I can't. I can't say that we're like way cooler than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just the I. You know, it's <sighs> anything's possible. That's certainly true. Um, even when you go through, like, times in your life when things are really, really challenging, just know, like, I actually reflect, I'm like, I got through Barnard, I can actually do this. Like, if I made it through there, because that was the hardest thing I ever did before, mm-hmm. I can do this.
0: Too. Yes, no, I love the Barnard Alumni Network, and every, like, Barnard women are so inspiring and so cool, and I feel like everyone who goes to Barnard is, like, so proud that they've gone to Barnard or current students, and I love it, yeah.
1: I wouldn't say that about anywhere else I've been. My high school, I you know, could forget the name of um, my grad school. Fine, but mm-hmm.
0: whatever.
1: But Barnard, I could like praise to.
0: Thank you so much. Now let's get into our quick takes. Name one act of self-care that you practice each day.
1: Exercise. Move.
0: hmm The next one is, who is a woman that you look up to? Gosh. Malala. Recommend few, a few books, podcasts, newsletters, or blogs that you've enjoyed and would recommend to the website readers and the podcast listeners.
1: Well, funny you should ask. It's by a fellow Barnard alum named the, called The Turning, uh, Jessica Alpert, 03, I believe. Um, that would be my podcast recommendation. Also, through line. Mm-hmm. Um Books, uh, Motivation Manifesto, I really like. Um I'm really bad at recalling names. I should have written this down. I have to like look at my Libby and see. Um, I was reading The Body by Bill Bryson. That's really, really interesting. But it got mm-hmm. stolen away because I didn't read it fast enough. Um, Little uh, Tiny Beautiful Things by Cheryl Strayed. Um, it was really, really beautiful. Uh, I, lo- I mean, I, I love The New Yorker. I love The mm-hmm. Economist.
0: And that is it for Kala Maxim, founder and chief event composer of Five Senses Tastings. You can learn more about Kala at her website, kalamaxim.com, and you can hear more about Five Senses Tastings at their website, fivesensestastings.com. Thank you so much, Kala, for speaking with us today. And thank you all for listening. You can find a transcribed version of this interview in our Scope newsletter. If you're not yet subscribed to the Scope, please subscribe at our website, ColumbiaWomansBusinessSociety.org, under the Four Students tab. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Columbia CWBS, And as always, reach out if you have any questions or want to get involved. Have a great rest of your day.